Yes, hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Hayden, every single team has touched the field. Every player that we've been talking about since May 1st most likely got some snaps. Let's give the people what they need, some winning, actionable information. In college, if I was lucky, my professors would allow you a one cheat sheet for for the test. Nobody in the world wrote smaller to fill in more information than the one <laughs> sheet than me. If the, I got an index card, I max that out. That's what today's show is all about. We have the answers to the test. We just have to apply it properly. And that's what the show is all about. Yep. Today, we are going to go through quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, maybe even a couple of tight ends based on what these players showed on the field, based on who they were running with, based on what the coaches said about all of these players as well. And do not worry, ADPs are going to change significantly in the next two weeks based on what we saw this past weekend and moving forward. So you can get ahead right now. And the place to do that is on Underdog Fantasy. As you know, if you're a new user, skip the guacamole, deposit that money instead into Underdog, use promo code THE SHOW, and you get a free $25. I've actually seen a lot of people use that in Pick'em as well. You can use that in Best Ball Mania to win a million dollars in a three and a half million dollar prize pool. And as always, our free, free, free draft guide is linked down below. So go and check that out. Okay, Hayden, as with every Monday of this preseason, you have written a killer column outlining every single piece of information that we need to know. Let's start with the quarterbacks. Let's start here with Dak Prescott, who did not play this past weekend or in the Hall of Fame game. But we've received some positive news here with Dak Prescott, who is still still being drafted as the quarterback five. Rightfully being drafted as the quarterback five. He got some MRI imaging, which is not a good good news, except that the MRI showed that it is healing well. The He's been throwing around in practice a little bit. Now we're like the first team in 11-on-11. But it seems like the Cowboys want to get him in for the third preseason game. It seems like they're just like taking it slow with Dak Prescott, which is good news. I still think there's a lot of injury risk with Dak Prescott. You have the shoulder. You have the ankle. So he will be my quarterback five. I will not be moving him ahead of Josh Allen and those guys. But I'm totally fine. Six-round Dak Prescott if you've already drafted CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper. Stack it up. I like Michael Gallup, who was moved, in, moved into the slot. So still lots of options for the Cowboys. It's not like we believe that Dak Prescott is going to overtake, like you mentioned, the likes of Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray who are being drafted as quarterback three or quarterback four. But right now, Dak is going in that ADP of 66 overall, Hayden. That's around Miles Gaskin, who we'll get to in a little bit, Kareem Hunt, a few other players. So at that price, it, it does make sense. And I do wonder if we see... Dak Prescott at some point in this preseason. I think that's the reason why they bring him back to practice this early. Yes, I'm I'm assuming they want Dak Prescott to be on the field coming back from his ankle injury just to get him a couple live reps before he starts the season. So it'll probably be just for a series or two, but that's fine with me. Four, we jump to running backs. I know there might not have been any notable news items on these rookie quarterbacks, but let's quickly just outline them for the people. I mean, we know that Trevor Lawrence ran with the first team with – Jacksonville. We know Zach Wilson ran with the starters as well. It was a great offensive line that gave him a good pocket, a lot of quick outs. He looked very comfortable, and that is very much going to be a, a Mike LaFleur style offense he's going to be in. Trey Lance played a lot and even some snaps with the starters. You and I, as people who tuned in, thank you for being there for a two and a half hour stream on Saturday, reacted live to an, what, 80 yard touchdown? Yep. yep. 
And uh, Justin Fields, comfortable outside of the pocket, showed off his athleticism outside of structure as well. And we even got to see Mac Jones early in the weekend. Basically everything that you want from a rookie Patriots quarterback in terms of targeting open wide receivers and putting the ball on the money. Any takeaways that you had from those five? All five looked apart. I mean, every single one of them. Justin Fields, Trey Lancer, athleticism shined through. Uh, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. It was a combination of decision-making and arm strength. Mac Jones, kind of beneath those on, on like the raw traits, but they ran some RPO stuff, which is coming out of the Alabama playbook. So I think that all five of them look like franchise players. We're not sure when they're going to actually start, but I would be pretty surprised if uh, all five of these guys didn't start at least half the games for their offenses. And a lot of this right now is, is narrative-based, and we know, again, that Lawrence and Wilson are the, the locked-in starters, but if we can paint the narratives for the others, you and I did that live on the show with Trey Lance, where you know on a second down play, he climbed the pocket, put his eyes downfield, threw a perfect ball to Brandon Ayuk, who dropped it. That would have been for a first down. Then on third down, he gets sacked, has to go sit in the sideline, come back, and he immediately throws a bomb touchdown rather than taking an easy reception. He throws it down the field. Those are the type of plays that Kyle Shanahan is going to start creating in his head that he knows are for Trey, not for necessarily Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think the most important part with Lance, with Fields, with Mac, is if we see them start taking more and more reps and practice with the first team, more and more reps in games, these preseason action with starters. And if that's the case, then we're building towards the, the culmination point of being week one starters. We're at the point where we shouldn't be surprised if any of these players are week one starters. So adjust your fantasy rankings accordingly. Some of these guys have more upside than others. That seems pretty obvious when you're when you're watching these guys from from last week. They weren't they were there were some mistakes by all all five of them. For sure. Real rookie mistakes, but that's expected. Yeah. I mean, Trevor Lawrence behind an offensive line, the starting five was still getting pressured. We know Trey Lance was getting sacked because their right guard, which is a major issue for the 49ers, was getting pressure all the time. Here's one a comment from Adam just to quickly close this topic. He doesn't get all the hype on Justin Fields from that game. His big pass is a broken play. I saw a quarterback that didn't go through his reads, so on and so forth. One, I would say what stood out was Justin Fields' athleticism from college easily showed up again in the NFL. So we know that's going to be a winning trade for him. And two, the game just has to slow down for him a little bit. He also didn't have, you know, easily the two best wide receivers on the team in Allen Robinson and in Darnell Mooney. If you go and watch kind of the first three incompletions, those were not bad throws. Those were good throws to cover wide receivers who weren't necessarily making plays for him. So hopefully we see him with A-Rob. Hopefully we see him with Darnell Mooney, more passes to Cole Komet as well. And we get a sense of what he can be with the top talents on the team because, again, This isn't one of these offenses that is totally loaded across the depth chart with great skill players. He was trying to make the most, I thought, of what he had out there. The athletic traits popped, and we don't have like all 22. Like I have no idea what kind of routes these these players were were running anyway, so it's like impossible to tell with that type of stuff. The athletic traits translated maybe even more so than I expected. He looked like an absolute baller, top-level athlete out there. Yep. And for our purposes, that's going to matter a lot because he's running away from defense. There was times when like they would take angles and he would still, you know, sustain that separation he created with them. All right. Running back position. Antonio Gibson didn't play on third downs in two drives with the starters and the Washington football team. Hayden, this was a key area, a talking point all offseason with Antonio Gibson going as a running back 10 overall. He has to play in this, you know, portion this role on the field in order to hit at the running back 10 
He doesn't need all of it. He certainly needs some of it, and he did not have some of it last year. Gibson only had 5% of his total touches on third down. That ranked 75th out of 83 qualifying running backs last year. Meanwhile, you had J.D. McKissick in the top five with most of his snaps and touches coming on third down. So the fact that Antonio Gibson was subbed out for J.D. McKissick in the two drives was not very encouraging. With that said, Antonio Gibson does have this profile of an elite high-ceiling running back if McKissick went down or if Gibson earned more reps. But like what we've mentioned a couple times on the show is the median projection for Antonio Gibson is a little lower than where he's being drafted just because J.D. McKissick is actually good on third downs. And the same thing we can say about Naeem Hines with Jonathan Taylor. It's hard to just overcome these third down role players because coaches want to give their running backs a breather. And the best time to do that is what could your role playing number two running back do best? That's when we're going to sub out our, our number one. So Antonio Gibson, late second rounder, boom bust player. It's as simple as that. There are a few things here. One, in the area where Gibson is going, so is, you know, Najee Harris is going, who has the offensive line concerns baked in, who's going to, you know, see this type of work that Antonio Gibson might not see. I mean, you you underlined it here in your column. Last year, only 5% of Gibson's touches came on third down. I asked beat writer for Washington, J.P. Finley, about the usage and if that's going to change. He mentioned in practice that in their turbo package, which McKissick owned last year, it was kind of 50-50 right now. But then as soon as we saw it in preseason, which if they were going to hope to, you know, get Gibson comfortable in this area, it was all Jaden McKissick still. So maybe this changes in preseason week two, preseason week three, but for now it again puts his asterisks on his name in comparison to the, some of the other, you know, workhorse players going around him for sure. I think in the best ball tournaments, it's still fine to shoot for the stars with Gibson because he has that top five ceiling. Maybe in your redraft leagues, where you're only building one team to come in first or second place against your high school friends. Maybe you go with somebody a little bit safer in the second round. Okay. I need to start being more brief. Let's now go to the Rams backfield. The Rams are quote all in on Daryl Henderson. This comes from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Hayden, this is not the role that Sean McVay and company drafted Daryl Henderson for, but it might be the situation that they find themselves in with Daryl Henderson being almost a feature back. This is just one of those things where all in could be, I mean, a lot of different things to me, all in means clearly the one a get him 14 carries per game. He's effective enough on third downs to get him three targets per game. He's not going to be Christian McCaffrey all of a sudden see 90% of the snaps, but if he gets 65% of the snaps in this offense with the goal line roll, I'm totally fine with him as a high upside RB2. Xavier Jones is the number two back. He basically did nothing in college, and he didn't play any snaps last year with the Rams. So maybe he's the number two. He's worthwhile drafting late in the rounds, but I, I'm not really scared by any of the veterans that are going to come in here. So Daryl Henderson didn't play. I'm not sure if we're even going to see him in the preseason. That's good news to me. That means the Rams really like Daryl Henderson. Yeah, I bet, I bet we don't. I would say the biggest fear wouldn't even be Xavier Jones. It would be them somehow getting a veteran either on the street or trading for them, even though they deny that at this point. Because just the eye test alone, I thought that Xavier Jones went down on first contact like every single time. Every single yeah. time. Small school prospect that didn't break out until like a redshirt senior. There we go. The Jaguars used a three running back rotation with the first team offense. That means James Robinson. That means Carlos Hyde. And more specifically, 
we are talking about Travis Etienne here, who is still Hayden climbing. He's going as running back 21. Is this time for an adjustment? James Robinson played seven of the 15 snaps. Travis Etienne played five of 15. Carlos Hyde got the remaining three. The interesting parts here is James Robinson started. He was clearly the early down back. There was even a situation where it was a Jaguars fourth and one, and they brought James Robinson back in to handle that. So that to me means that he's going to be the goal line back. He's going to probably lead this team in rushing. Travis Etienne has to be an every down player on passing downs. Uh, he might need a, an injury to James Robinson. He at least needs to be electric when he does get these uh, high value touches because I don't think he's going to get that typical RB2 workload. So I am a little concerned, especially because LaVisca Chenault was in that gadget role that we kind of see Travis Etienne in. So to me, I don't know what to do because it's so obvious that the upside is there. But if I were betting if he's going to be better or worse than ADP, I would probably go with worse. And the Browns' second-string pass rushers were dominating the start the starting lineup for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I understand that our friends at Grocery Bar hate when we bring up pass protection for running backs by just saying the running back can go out there and catch passes. Okay, I bet Urban Meyer and, and Darrell Bevel might disagree with you. And if that's the case, is James Robinson a better pass protector than Travis Etienne? Maybe. And that might keep him on the field in more of those situations. Yeah, the running back 21, as we've talked about all offseason, is really rich to me. For ETN, but look, we also might get like a post buy rookie bump here for ETN during the season. You're just paying for that. You're you're almost not paying for the ceiling necessarily, but you're paying for automatic touches each and every week in double digits right now. Yeah, you're hoping for RB three to start the season turns into RB two. So yeah, we'll okay. Broncos running backs. Javante Williams played ten of seventeen first team snaps in the Broncos' first preseason games. Now. We need to mention this was with Royce Freeman, and it's tough to know exactly what this means with Melvin Gordon out because that's his real competition for running back snaps and specifically passing down snaps. Javante Williams certainly looked the part. This guy is definitely going to be an NFL player rushing between the tackles. I am pretty convinced of that. I thought his tape looked pretty good. The thing to note here was Royce Freeman was playing on the passing downs, and that's what I'm projecting Melvin Gordon to handle when he comes back from his this minor groin injury that he's dealing with. So Javante Williams, it was kind of a good and bad for the preseason. He looked good. I don't think he's going to be a three down player. They weren't treating him as a three down player to start the season or to start the, the, uh, the preseason and training camp. So you need the Broncos offense to be good. You need positive game scripts for Javante Williams. So we'll see what happens when Melvin Gordon probably returns for the, the preseason week three, because he's dealing with a minor groin injury right now. And where Javante Williams shined in college in terms of breaking the metrics of broken tackle rate, he did that in this first preseason game too. So we know that translates, and it translated hopefully uh, moving forward as well. Okay, continuing on with these rookie running backs, Trey Sermon only lost two snaps to Wayne Gallman in the 49ers' first team offense. Lots of snaps to Trey Sermon, which put lots of smiles on Hayden Winks' face during our live stream. Again, of note, Raheem Mostert did not start or play in this game. But Hayden, I think, and maybe I'm jumping to assumptions here, but we can assume is that this is a one-two punch with Tracer and Raheem Mostert who don't really have overlapping skill sets. And while this is a cliche, a little bit of thunder with Trey Sermon and lots of lightning with Raheem Mostert. I agree. The biggest takeaway wasn't just that he played 10 of 12 first-team snaps. 
It's that Trey Sermon ran a route on eight of the 10 dropbacks when he was in. And there was even a situation where Trey Sermon was subbed back in for a third and five after Gallman was on the field. Is that Does that mean that Trey Sermon's going to be the passing down back? Because if that's the case, that is means that Trey Sermon might be uh, averaging like 10 to 12 carries. The bigger back might have the goal line back. And if he's being subbed in here over Wayne Gallman as the passing down back, he might have all of the high value touches Meanwhile, Raheem Mostert is going to average like six and a half yards per carry like he always does and just rip off big plays. But I was very encouraged by Trey Sermon coming in for passing downs because I wasn't fully expecting that to happen. Uh, we've, we've seen uh, the coaching staff kind of talk up Trey Sermon's passing down ability in training camp, and I was encouraged at least him coming back on the field for that third and five. All right, we wrapped up the rookie running backs there. Let's now jump to a Josh Norris special. His name, Damian Harris. As soon as we saw this, I think it was on Thursday, Friday maybe, Damian Harris ran well ahead of Sonny Michelle and Ramondre Stevenson. Look, we saw what the Patriots want to be. It is bully ball. They're going to play it all season long. And this usage for Damian Harris, I know it wasn't huge chunk gains. One was called back as well. But this does nothing to slow down my suggestion that you should all be drafting Damian Harris a few spots ahead of his current ADP of running back 29. There was 12 first-team snaps. Damian Harris played eight of them. James James White played on four of them, mostly on the third down. So it's the exact rotation we're expecting. Uh, Sony Michelle and Ramondre Stevenson played well into the second half of the game. Ramondre Stevenson looked pretty dang good, and I think that he could be pushing Sony Michelle. But there's a lot of running backs. So they have that that running back that plays – or two other running backs that play on special teams. You typically only dress four or five per game. So – the Patriots are going to have to make some decisions. But for right now, I'm projecting Damian Harris, early down goal line, James White passing downs, and probably Sonny Michelle's change of pace. But we'll see what happens the rest of the training camp. And I understand the optimism around Ramondre Stevenson based on his long run and some other runs as well. But one, he was clearly like the third running back, maybe even fourth, fourth. if you want to count J.J. Taylor, right? I mean, yes. he was clearly there towards the end of the game and, and facing those types of talents. Now... Maybe, again, an optimistic outlook could be, well, for Ramondre Stevenson then sees second-team reps, maybe even a couple first-team reps, then to me that's when we need to adjust. I don't want to adjust right now because the Patriots in their past, unless you are a first-round pick in Sonny Michelle, unless you're a high-round pick in Lawrence Maroney, you're sitting as a first-year running back. And it was very clear by their usage here that Damian Harris is still the guy. Unless something drastically changes, I would be shocked if Ramondre Stevenson has – a, a role to play early on this season at all. Damian Harris is all the things that Nick Saban and Bill Belichick like at running back. They're not going to mess up on passing downs. They're going to run with vision. They're going to run forward and not lose yards uh, running backwards and side to side. And that's why I think that Damian Harris is their best running back on the team right now. And that's why I think that RB 27 right around there. I think that makes total sense. Huge flashing lights in the Miami Dolphins backfield, Miles Gaskin played seven of 23 first team snaps in the Dolphins first preseason game. Hayden, right now, Miles Gaskin is being drafted and has all summer around that running back 24 mark over an underdog. Meanwhile, Malcolm Brown is going to be a problem for in order for Gaskin to hit that ADP. And even Salvin Ahmed came in and played snaps and he'll be a problem and hurt possibly Gaskin hitting that ADP. 
after the game, Brian Flores said that they want to use a three-man rotation at running back. So that's even worse news. And it's not even just the seven of 23 first-team snaps. That was a problem for Miles Gaskin. He was being subbed in on second down. There was a couple times where Malcolm Brown would come back in the game for the third down opportunities. And then at the goal line, that was Malcolm Brown, which we would expect because Malcolm Brown's so much bigger than Gaskin. But Gaskin wasn't even the, the passing down back. That was still Malcolm Brown. We saw this with the Rams last year just because he's such a good pass protector that he might, Miles Gaskin might be the change of pace guy on second down. That's the worst role to have for starting offense. So I tanked him in my in my rankings. And then the other thing, the other big takeaway for me for the Dolphins, two looks pretty good, but that offensive line looks dreadful. Awful. So that's, they're not going to be able to run the ball, even if Miles Gaskin or Malcolm Brown have a, a three down role. The, the running game is going to be pretty bad. I know there's about 25 other topics we need to hit, but can we dive into this just a little yeah, bit more? Because again, Miles Gaston is going as running back 24. I have him now, or actually had him back then, even prior to this as running back 30. You've dropped him even more than that. Should we also then move up Malcolm Brown, who is going as running back 61? Or is this just a case of if there's not one clear running back, let's just avoid it all unless you are still able to get Malcolm Brown as that late round running back. I moved up Malcolm Brown like 10 spots, but I don't want to overreact and all of a sudden be starting to draft Malcolm Brown as like an RB three or something like that. So yeah. I'm totally fine. If I don't end up with any dolphins running backs this year, like, Oh, well, like that is not going to make a big difference to me. Meanwhile, two will look great. And I'm excited to see him with Jalen Waddle more often excited to see him with Will Fuller at some point, hopefully in in the near future yeah look i think people get a little bit defensive with miles gaston especially if a lot of shares of him already maybe your hope that you're hanging on to is like continuing to cite that malcolm brown had 1.7 yards per carry i don't care what a yards per carry is necessarily in the preseason it's about the usage and like how they're viewing him because that's just such a tiny little sample that you're going off of and the fact that, again, Miles Gaskin was top four in the NFL in screen passes and screen yards last year, and he's not even being used in that area every single time in the preseason, just lights. We'll learn more in the next two weeks, but that's a lot of concern, I thought, early on. So Fade. All right. Another rookie. Michael Carter played on nine of 22 first-team snaps in the Jets' first preseason game. That's a small number. And even smaller when you consider that Tevin Coleman, who has a history with the OC, did not play in this contest. Ty Johnson led this backfield in running back snaps. Hey, you know, I'm a fan of Michael Carter, but this doesn't do anything to make us think that he can immediately hit right now on running back 30 overall. Making matters worse is the same thing that just happened with Miles Gaskin is Michael Carter played on first and second down. Ty Johnson would come back in the game on third and long. Ty Johnson came in for a fourth and one. So it's kind of like that same situation. Is Michael Carter going to be the change of pace back, not the third down back? That would be a kind of a big surprise because I thought that Mike, some of the best traits Michael Carter had was as a receiver. But the way that they used him today was, we'll give him eight carries and see how explosive he can be, but maybe not be the Naeem Hines or the James White or the Giovanni Bernard, and he's more of a change of pace back. And that is the right. one role you do not want. So I moved Michael Carter way down the rankings again. He's small. He's never had a three-down role. We're still up in the air about the Jets' offense. So to me, it's just a pretty easy fade. Yeah, this is a great candidate for the post-by rookie bump, 
I think, in Michael Carter. Because I don't know if we're going to get there early on at the end of this preseason as him being like the clear leader in this backfield. And that's going to be concerning. I mean, it can happen, but just not right now. Uh, the Bucks, three running backs, split their six first team snaps evenly. Hayden, we kind of saw this coming. Did we not? Like Ben Fournette got two, Ronald Jones got two, and Giov- Giovanni Bernard, the new entrant in this, got two as well. I think the order here is pretty important. Leonard Fournette received the first two carries, did nothing. Shocking. And then Giovanni Bernard came in for the third and long. And then on, I think there was a first down. I think Giovanni Bernard got a first down. And then the next two carries went to Ronald Jones. And then it was another third down. And then Giovanni Bernard came back in. So uh, Fournette started over Ronald Jones. I don't know how much I want to read into this. Uh, Giovanni Bernard is going to be the passing down back. I don't think that he's that good. He didn't break any tackles as a receiver last year. And I don't think that Giovanni Bernard is going to get too many receptions when you can throw the ball to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard. So this could be a situation where you just want to buy the discount on a Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones. Oh. I think whoever whoever's the goal line back, that's going to be the guy you want. And we don't know who that is yet. Yeah, I mean, I think just watching these players, Ronald Jones is a better runner than, than Leonard Fournette. I think Giovanni Bernard is a better receiver than Leonard Fournette. I mean, I'm just not drafting any Leonard Fournette at running back 39. I think he is the biggest target accumulator. Yeah, you're pointing that out. But Hayden, it's not like Leonard Fournette is like tiers above Giovanni Bernard. He's like basically in the same area as Gio on that on that sheet. This isn't a pro Leonard Fournette thing on third downs. It's just that I think that we view Giovanni Bernard as like some electric third down back, like he's Naeem Hines. He's not. Like he's no, nowhere but near I, th- that I, I think there's a reason that they brought him in because he was right. sick of throwing it to Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Because so right. he's going to have that role. They loved him so much they gave him $990,000 this year. <laughs> loved him. They gave Leonard Fournette like $3 million, just for the record. Okay. Let's move on. Next up, David Johnson played two of 10 first team snaps with the Texans. First team offense, uh, Hayden, as if we were talking about running backs, we don't want to invest in and backfields. We don't want to invest in probably the worst offense in the NFL total avoid for me. Philip Lindsay is going to be the guy that's going to average 14 carries. And uh, David Johnson only subbed in on third and two and third and one with Tyrod Taylor. And I think that uh, David Johnson, yeah, he played with the backups too, but he didn't even play on early downs with the backups. It was the same situation where he only played with the backups on a third and 12. So David Johnson, complete fade. I hope that you weren't drafting him in the first place. I guess you can move up Philip Lindsay a little bit, but I mean, what's the point? Next up, the Tennessee Titans, Darrington Evans showed that he is the clear backup to Derrick Henry. Now, Darrington Evans also, I think, exited. They call it a knee injury, but it certainly the Twitter docs said it was a, a hamstring issue. But most importantly, again, without Derrick Henry playing in this contest, Darrington Evans played eight of first team snaps. Eight of ten, I should say. He played ahead of Jeremy Jeremy McNichols. I think we should be pretty confident that Darrington Evans, a third rounder in the last draft class with the same regime, is going to be the number two. I think he's one of my favorite best ball picks, period. Chargers backups, or I should say maybe second running backs. We know Austin Eckler is starting to even be locked in the first round as of late, right around that 112-1201 turn. Who is emerging, or if one already has, as the clear number two back in this offense? Justin Jackson was the clear number two, but it was interesting because Joshua Kelly subbed in on the two goal line opportunities. There was a first and goal from the five-yard line 
Justin Jackson got like two yards on a carry, and then he got subbed out when it was at the three-yard line for Joshua Kelly, who's much bigger than Justin Jackson. So I do wonder if this is Justin Jackson is Austin Eckler's direct backup, but Joshua Kelly compliments Austin Eckler uh, as the number two when Eckler's healthy, if that makes sense. It's not that intriguing of a of a role. I will say that Justin Jackson looked 10 times more explosive than Joshua Kelly. Just like my eyes, I don't see anything from Joshua Kelly. I think that Justin Jackson's a pretty explosive player. Miles Sanders did not play for the Philadelphia Eagles. In his absence, we saw Jordan Howard have a pancake in pass protection on five snaps. Boston Scott, who a lot of beat writers have been glowing and giving great praises to during preseason, also got five snaps. Uh, on Johnson seemingly got injured and maybe a darling to a lot of people. Kenny Gainwell played zero of first teams of 10 first team snaps with the Eagles in preseason game one. We also had a training camp report from Elliot Shore Parks, and he noted the first team carries in training camp. Miles Sanders received 34 of them. Boston Scott, 18, then a massive drop to Jordan Howard with four. Kenny, Kenny Gainwell's received one of them. So I think that Kenny Gainwell, there's no, real reason to be drafting him in 18 round half PPR. I don't think that he has the same skill set as Naeem Hines. I think that's a terrible uh, way to look at the two. I mean, Naeem Hines is so electric moving side to side. Kenny Gainwell is not a side to side player. Um, so I, I don't just don't see it with Kenny Gainwell. I think that it's Boston Scott who needs to be moving up the rankings here. Yeah. Kenny Gainwell right now an underdog is going as running back 59 with Boston Scott one spot after at running back 60. So unless you just have this extreme personal evaluation on Kenny Gainwell, that should not be happening. Uh, finally, at running back, Javion Hawkins has been one name thrown around as a possible backup to Mike Davis, who is the highest running back paid on the Falcons and no one else is getting paid. Uh, all your column says, Hayden, is just stop talking about Javion Hawkins. Also, let's start talking about Mike Davis up here. I've on been trying the for years. Elusive, most elusive or second most elusive running back as a receiver last year on when you're looking at force missed tackles per reception, according to sports info solutions, David Montgomery, Mike Davis, number two. And when you watch him running between the tackles as well, a dude that breaks a ton of tackles. So it's Mike Davis. Then it's Quadri Olson. Don't bother with any of the other guys. All right. Before we move on quick reset here. If you like what we're saying, be sure to like and subscribe down below. I cannot tell you how much, just adding those subscriptions, those likes really do help us out. If you want to take us on the road with you, the underdog football show is available on every single podcast platform out there. Leave some five star reviews, a quick rating. It all helps us out as well. And once again, our free, free, free draft guide is linked at the top of the description down below. So go and check it out. We're actually giving you $25 to read it. Go and find that promo code, this show and put that into underdog. All right. Jumping to, Wide receivers making good time here, Hayden. Rashad Bateman, our favorite, has core surgery. You know, Coach Harbaugh has said that he's going to return at some point in September. Uh, September's a long month, Hayden. So knowing when he's going to come back and we think open up the passing game for the Ravens to us is not just a big deal for obviously Rashad Bateman's rookie season, but also potentially Lamar Jackson as the quarterback four overall. I hope they just give him the three weeks stint on injured reserve, then he comes back relatively health, healthy in week four. And that's at the end of September. I hope they don't rush him back. I would rather just miss out in a couple weeks and then get Rashad Bateman out there. I will say 
because Rashad Bateman was not being drafted as a, a starter in your fantasy lineups, it doesn't really matter if he misses the first two weeks. Like you don't want Rashad Bateman being in your starting lineup in fantasy. So I'm expecting Rashad Bateman's ADP to drop and I will be buying that because I wasn't expecting Rashad Bateman to be in my lineup too many times in the first two weeks, three weeks of the season anyway. Yeah. He was being drafted as, as wide receiver 51 prior to this. I had him way earlier than that at wide receiver 44. So if this does drop him a little bit, like you're saying to me, it's just incredible value and you can replace him either in your season long league or best ball league with several weeks with other players early on. And then we just get an emergence as a focal point of the passing game, hopefully with Rashad Bateman and look, the draft capital, if it doesn't work out, it's not huge. Like what Hayden pointed out, it's not huge. Next up, Steelers, we get a second preseason game out of them and two wide receiver sets, which seemingly might be more and more important for the Steelers. One, because offensive line questions happen and, you know, two tight ends out there could help with blocking. And they also spent, you know, an early round draft pick on Pat Fryermuth. Deontay Johnson played all five of two wide receiver sets, Juju three of five. And our guy, Chase Claypool, just two of five. This made me so upset. I absolutely hated this. I hope this changes because I think that Chase Claypool deserves to be on the field for every single snap at the expense of Juju Smith-Schuster. But like you said, it was the addition of Najee Harris. It was a new offensive coordinator who is under center more in the preseason than we've seen the Steelers historically. And it was a second pick on the tight end. So I do think this is pretty important for Chase Claypool to turn into like a top 15 fantasy receiver, which I think is in his range of outcomes. He needs to be out there in 12 personnel. So it's something I'm going to continue to track. Last year, Chase Claypool ran three routes with two tight ends on the on the field. Three. So hopefully he gets all of them. I'll accept 65% of them. I just can't have it be three again. That would that would break my heart. Deontay Johnson going as wide receiver 25. Chase Claypool as wide receiver 26 and Juju all the way down there at wide receiver 40. Okay. Curtis Samuel, who has been dealing with a groin injury since June, could probably go in quotes in a game right now if needed. Hayden, did you know I actually was the one who broke this news? I was on the radio call with, I believe, Brian Mitchell and JP Finley on their radio show. Whenever I go on those, I just start asking the people closest to the team questions. And with Curtis Samuel, it just seemed like this was always the timeline with him. There was no need to rush him. And in fact, again, Mitchell said that if there was a game this weekend, Curtis Samuel would have played in it most likely. And he returned to practice immediately following this preseason week one. They took him off the pup list. I don't think he practiced because there was rain and they just want to be really conservative with Curtis Samuel, which I view as good news. Not Don't rush Curtis Samuel back. He already knows the offense. I'm expecting Terry McLaurin at the X, Curtis Samuel at the Z, then Adam Humphreys, your boy, starting in the slot. Uh, I will note Adam Humphreys played on six of 14 first-team reps because he only plays in 11 personnel. So Josh Norris is going to be doing his victory laps when Adam Humphreys averages 36 receiving yards this year. Can't wait. I, I understand you and your better and best ball agenda only care about the likes of K.J. Hamler, whom we might get to, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and those types. But Hayden, a few weeks of five catches, a touchdown, and you know, 50 yards, that can get us there too. And that might be Adam Humphreys. That might be Adam Humphreys. No, it won't be. It literally won't be. <laughs> okay. Miko Hardman, who local Chiefs beat writers have been raving about, played in 11 personnel 
sets only during the Chiefs' first preseason game. And Hayden, what did you see when you watched this action? He only ran routes within five yards of the line of scrimmage. He only played in three wide receiver sets. And his one target, he runs this drag route. I don't want to show it to get copyrighted right now. But he was absolutely locked up, didn't know where he was running. And Patrick Mahomes basically pegs him in the back of the head for an incomplete pass. So we need we need to see it. I hear the we training to reports. I want to buy McCole Hardman. Can I see it like three routes this preseason where he's actually running legit routes? I mean, Correct. this just shows me like what I was expecting to happen. He's going to be fantasy viable because he's so electric and it's the Chiefs passing offense. He just – I haven't seen a single time where I'm like, oh, that's a legit NFL receiver yet. I haven't seen it. If you're drafting at wide receiver 44, you're banking on you know the great Chiefs offense, which is fair, but also that – you're banking on, you know, beat writer eyes saying that Miko Hardman's a different player. I can't do that. I want to trust my own. And just like there are some other players, we'll adjust if good things happen on the field, like a Visca Chanel, you know, if, if he shows it, we'll adjust. But right now I will have zero fear of missing out. If Miko Hardman just continues to show this, because it, it seems like exactly the same type of player that we saw the last few years in the NFL. I do want to know that it's easier for smaller players that rely on speed to show out in training camp practices where you're not getting your head ripped off by defenses. So that's another thing to know when you're looking at these small running backs or these gadget type receivers, they always look better in training camp because they're small and they're not getting uh, like their head ripped off by incoming safety. So something to know. From this comment in the chat from Nick Hardman is definitely better in best ball. The, The issue with that is his price is going as a wide receiver four right now. He's going as, as wide receiver 44. That's different than the real, like better and best ball types of KJ Hamler and, and Marquez Valdez Scantling that you can get in the double digit rounds. You're spending legit draft capital on Miko Harbin right now if you want him on your team. A take I want to workshop, and I might not even believe it myself, is McCole Hardman shouldn't be on your Chiefs stacks because I think the only way he pays off that price tag based off of what I saw in this preseason game is if Tyreek Hill gets hurt. And if Tyreek Hill gets hurt, it's going to be hard for Patrick Mahomes to pay off that third round price tag. So I think that you want McCole Hardman in non-Chiefs stacks rather than with uh, Tyreek Hill. Interesting. I think he's more like a, a almost a direct backup to Tyreek Hill. Somewhat close to it. Speaking of LaVisca Chenault, he also only played in 11 personnel situations during the Jaguars' first preseason games. Meanwhile, Marvin Jones, 13 of 15 first-team snaps. You and I keep saying it. It is a bit nuts that LaVisca Chenault is being drafted as wide receiver 37, DJ Chark as wide receiver 36. That's fine if you like them, but the fact that Marvin Jones is being drafted as a well-distant third wide receiver at wide receiver 57 makes absolutely zero sense because to me, I'll go so far, Hayden, as saying that he has the, he's the odds-on favorite to be the leading wide receiver on the team this season. I now agree with that. We'll see what DJ Chark looks like coming back from his finger injury. But the thing with LaVisca Chanel, it wasn't just the playing time and not being an 11 personnel, despite DJ Chark not playing. It was just the routes. It was a lot of the gadget stuff, which is cool. I love the gadget stuff, but I like the gadget stuff paired with actually running routes downfield. And you never saw that. It was a bunch of bubble screens, quick outs, that type of stuff near the line of scrimmage. And this was without Travis Etienne playing that much. If we're calling out a post-buy rookie bump for Travis Etienne in this passing down role, which they drafted him at, that's probably going to be at the expense of LaVisca Chenault. So I think that LaVisca Chenault 
Well, I want to be on the on the hype train. I just can't get there. Draft Marvin Jones. Draft Marvin Jones. That's a huge takeaway from this weekend. Next up with the Cardinals, Rondell Moore ran mostly shallow routes with the first team offense. Look, what else were all of you expecting? I actually wouldn't say that this is a negative on Rondell, who's going as wide receiver 58. Um, it certainly makes sense that he would be the player to replace all those manufactured touches for Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk last year, but he actually can make stuff happen as thick Tavon out there. And we saw a little bit of that in preseason week one. Rondell Moore is kind of like LaVisca Chenault, but I think that Rondell Moore might be a little better than LaVisca Chenault in a, in a vacuum. And we already know that the Cardinals are going to be top one or top two in overall pay, offensive pace. So um, I don't, I'm not that concerned about Rondell Moore. He did run this like one route down the field and looked absolutely lost. Like had no idea what the hell he was doing. And that's the like kind of the concern you have in half PPR best ball. But still, like Rondell Moore looked so explosive when he got those like bubble screens and that type of stuff. Yeah, maybe the downfield game comes along during his rookie year, but I think we can bank on Rondell having a legit role that Cliff Kingsbury wants him to have, maybe even near the red zone as well inside the 10-yard line. And then once some of those plays start to hit, that's where you can get those manufactured downfield shots as well to hit for Rondell. I, only positive things to me other than number 85 on Rondell Moore. This weekend. All right. Jamison Crowder only played in 11 personnel during the Jets' first preseason game. As expected, we saw Denzel Mims at the bottom of the roster. Elijah Moore did not play because of his injury. So that means it was Corey Davis and Keelan Cole, who there have been you know, positive suggestions of this preseason in two wide receiver sets. The key here is the Jets ran a lot of 12 and 21 personnel, only two receiver sets for a lot of their plays. And this is the this is the Kyle Shanahan offense is what they did. And they actually had to convert tight end Trevon Wesco into fullback. And he played a lot of the snaps here. And this is good news for Corey Davis and eventually Elijah Moore because there's only going to be a couple guys in the route. And if you look at last year, the 49ers were like, I think, 28th in routes run from wide receivers per dropback. That just makes it easier for Corey Davis to get the ball and Elijah Moore to get the ball because they're not dealing with a third wide receiver. So Corey Davis seems like just an absolute layup to beat his ADP. He might not be a top 20 wide receiver, but I think that he can flirt with wide receiver 36 numbers and he's not being drafted in, anywhere near that. No, the the top jets wide receiver is Elijah Moore at wide receiver 49. And after that is Corey Davis at wide receiver 52. I'll give you $10 to so Venmo you right now. If you tell me where Trevon Wesco went to school, 10 West nine. Virginia. Damn it. Pay up, sucker. How? How'd that pop into your head? Dude, I have all these players in spreadsheets. I don't know the players before like 2005, but I have all the Trayvon Wesco spreadsheet stuff. Don't worry about it. He, he was a blocking tight end out of West Virginia, which is to, totally anti-Hayden Winks. I thought you had no clue who he was going to be. Anyways. He was like Will Greer. Into like, he had a couple of decent seasons, I think. You live and learn. You live and learn. Okay. Paris Campbell also only played in three wide receiver sets during the Colts' first preseason game, which makes sense. I mean, there's going to be a lot of learning on the fly here with the Colts' offense. I would say, one, I thought Jacob Eason looked a little better than I expected. I don't know what you thought. Um, two, Paris Campbell wearing number one. That's pretty cool. And three, he actually did catch like a vertical route. But this team, and based on camp reports, 
absolutely loves what Jonathan Taylor is doing as being a bully. And also think Michael Pittman at the wide receiver spot is emerging into that leader as well. It wasn't just the 11 personnel stuff for Paris Campbell. It was only backups out there. I mean, Michael Pittman didn't play. Jonathan Taylor didn't play. Naeem Hines didn't play. None of the starters actually played. So does that mean that Paris Campbell's a backup? Or if they were just trying to get him reps because he hasn't played in forever. So that's something to keep an eye on. I'm out on Paris Campbell. I just don't think that his low A dot role and uh, paired with Carson Wentz, who doesn't want to throw to these types of receivers. And I think that Michael Pittman is an actual baller. So give me Michael Pittman. I, I'm out on Paris Campbell. Michael Pittman's dropped with the Carson Wentz news and Quentin Nelson news too, by the way. Eat He's that up. Eat wide that receiver up. 54. You and I both have this wide receiver 42. I love when we are so drastically different than drafters out there in the public because we want all of you, again, in our draft guide down below to hammer those players that we are going out on a ledge for. All right. Jacoby Myers, another you know favorite of this show dating back to May. Played 12 of 12 first-team snaps with the Patriots, even though Nelson Aguilar did not play, Hayden. This is probably important to us because, as we know, the Patriots ran and paid Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, a ton of money. They're going to lead the NFL in two tight end sets as long as they're healthy. So that means two wide receivers are on the field. Nelson Aguilar is one, and certainly it seems like Jacoby Myers will be the other. Jacoby Myers will be the other. And so this is it's just Nelson Aguilar – and Jacoby Myers, don't worry about any of the other Patriots receivers. They're not going to run enough routes to be relevant in this offense. This is great news for Jacoby Myers, typically a slot receiver. To me, when I watched him on tape, and you can go read the tape detective column I have, I thought that he looked pretty good out there. And his yards uh, per route run against man coverage and zone coverage, I believe, were both top 10 in the NFL last year. That is a product of only playing in two wide receiver sets. I'm expecting Jacoby Myers to sneakily be like a wide receiver four, wide receiver five, kind of depending on the week. I wouldn't even be surprised if he outplayed uh, Nelson Aguilar this year either. I think Nelson Aguilar is still a screening value at wide receiver 61 if we follow the money. Now, we can't really follow the money here with Jacoby Myers because he's still on that that rookie deal. But uh, Nelson Follow Aguilar. the tape. Follow the tape. How about that? Brian Edwards is a Raider starter, and we know this, Hayden, because he set out the game with Henry Ruggs. He did not play. Yep, and Hunter Renfro didn't play either. So uh, right now they gave John Brown, Zay Jones, and Willie Sneed the opportunities. That means Brian Edwards is a starter. Draft him way ahead, well ahead of John Brown. I had them kind of back and forth because I didn't know who was going to be starting at X receiver. Now we know the answer. Move Brian Edwards way up. Drop John Brown. Uh, he's basically not draftable in best ball right now. Your internet is cutting out just a little bit. If, if you have any other tabs that you can shut down, uh, that might help out a little bit. And I'll lead into this next one. Um, typically, we go by preseason games, Hayden, and not just, you know, beat writers speak here, but you wanted to insert MVS into this conversation, who is, quote, having a good training camp. How more generic can you get, Hayden? We know that MVS is going to be the second outside receiver. I think that's pretty important. And I mean, they were saying that he wasn't just going to be a deep ball threat. So I know this is very minimal news, but I think that you should be drafting MVS. The addition of Randall Cobb drafting Amari Rogers doesn't affect MVS. They do not play the same position. So draft MVS as you were previously when he was the number 73 overall player in better and best ball points last year because he has these huge plays. So he's being drafted like 100 players after last year's performance. I think he's a good value. There is one, well, I would say there's a few rookie wide receivers that are kind of slipping through the cracks. And Amon Ra St. Brown at wide receiver 80 is one of them. Now, he only played in three wide receiver sets. 
which makes sense when you look at his game and when you look at his body type. But Hayden, with the Lions most likely and Jared Goff comfortable in that type of scenario, them playing from behind, uh, I would expect Amon Radis to play a lot during his rookie season. And I think that he actually looked pretty good in terms of just being like a capable slot receiver in the NFL that maybe at wide receiver 80 can hit. You just you know re- Do you know what really what's really weird here is all the Bruins they come out and they look like crap. And then all the Trojans come out and they all look way better. Juju falls into the second round, looks way better than that. Robert Woods, always underrated, keeps balling out. Amon Ross and Brown is going to be a third round guy and looks really good. So in the LA football schools, fade all the Bruins, buy all the Trojans, except for the quarterbacks with the Trojans. Don't buy the quarterbacks, but all, all of the, the wide receivers go by them. This was a better way of saying this. Previously, I was beyond ADP on Amon Ron St. Brown, and I think we'll be slightly above it now. I'm not expecting a big season, but I, th- I think there's going to be production there at the very least. And I'm not saying I can like bank on you know Christian Kirk hitting on his wide receiver 75 ADP. It- it'll be an interesting conversation there between those two. Okay. Quez Watkins is, quote, pushing for a bigger role in Eagles camp. I wonder how much of this is with the maybe stunted development of Jalen Raker, a, you know, injured training camp so far of Devontae Smith, even though he returned to individual drills today, Hayden, but Quez Watkins has deep speed. This team has been looking for deep speed at wide receiver for a while. And he and Joe Flacco connected on a super long touchdown during their first preseason action. This report came before Quez Watkins massive touchdown. So I'm kind of expecting Quez Watkins to either beat out Travis Fulgham or Jalen Rager. I'll have to go watch some more Quez Watkins to see exactly where he lines up. Uh, They might need to throw him out at X receiver, which is pretty intimidating because he's so small. If they want to keep Jalen Rager in the slot and uh, Devonta Smith as like kind of that flanker role. But I'm I'm kind of intrigued. Uh, I mean, it's the Eagles offense that'll be the number three. But I do think that there's there's some downside risk for Jalen Rager not even starting the entire season if Quez Watkins continues to be a baller. Not to pat ourselves on the back here, Hayden, but I would say in the football bubble that we had we 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 live in, you know, we were probably among the first in suggesting that Emmanuel Sanders is going to play over Cole Beasley. And here we go. In first preseason action, Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cole Beasley did not play. Gabriel Davis did meaning he's most likely the wide receiver four on the team. And maybe that is the role they want to keep him in because they believe that's where he can shine the most and help the team most when they go to 10 personnel in the field. 10 personnel, broken plays, contested catches. That's Gabe Davis's game. Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders offer that consistency that Gabe Davis is still working on as a second year player. Um, So yeah, I I wouldn't draft. There's no reason to draft Gabe Davis ahead of Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. Yet, Gabriel Davis is going as wide receiver 59, and that's ahead of both of his other teammates. Still. What, what am I missing? What am I missing? I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is going as wide receiver 62, and I'm trying to find Cole Beasley, and I quickly cannot. But it's right around in that territory, too. Again, keep drafting Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley ahead of Gabriel Davis. Let the people in your league make that mistake. Simple. All right. Quickly over to tight end, and then we'll get out of here. We are speeding through this. Hopefully, you are di- just digesting all of this actionable info. Let's move on. 
Darren Waller with an ankle injury, quote, would probably be fine to play if there was a game today. This is important news, Hayden, from Jeremy Fowler, because we have gotten no buzz, no inkling of information from this Darren Waller injury that he's missed double-digit practices for. And his ADP hasn't changed because he's still going against the tight end two and locked in that second round. We didn't even know what body part was injured like until this report came out. And Jeremy Fowler said the Raiders are quote unquote not concerned. I'm also not concerned. Darren Waller is an absolute superstar. If he has a minor ankle injury, he doesn't need to practice on August 14th, August 15th, August 16th. He'll be out there, draft him comfortably as a late second round pick. He's going to be a monster again. And Hayden and I just wrapped up our top 24 tight end rankings. Go and check out that show after we wrap up this one. The reason why we love Darren Waller so much is because he is easily the focal point of that passing game. They use him in line. They use him in the slot. They use him out wide. And I think he had five more red zone targets last season, end zone targets last season than Travis Kelsey did. And nothing has changed in that offense. In fact, Nelson Aguilar has left for that to change this year. So This positive news about his injury is only making us feel better about Darren Waller heading into 2021. Okay. Talking about the tight end seven here being drafted right now, Hayden, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Dallas Goddard only played on five of 10 snaps with the Eagles starters in preseason week one. That was lower than Zach Ertz, seven of 10. And if you asked me to put $20 down back in May, maybe even in March, if Zach Ertz would still be on the roster right now, I would lose that 20 bucks immediately. And he's still seemingly playing ahead of Dallas Goddard. I guess if we can galaxy brain a little bit, maybe they're like still trying to showcase him for a trade, but I don't think we can jump to that conclusion more. So we can jump to the conclusion that there's going to be a lot of 12 personnel on this team. Lots of 12 personnel. Why would they want to trade their best receiving tight end on the oh, roster? Come on. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's beyond just the the usage. Dallas Goddard, hand in the dirt. That's what his role was. Meanwhile, Zach Ertz in the slot. And then when he did come attached to the offensive line, he'd be on the outside of Dallas Goddard. You're going to see probably more routes for Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard if he doesn't get traded. And the on-off splits from last year with Dallas Goddard with Zach Ertz, it's like a two-point difference in in full or in half PPR or full PPR. I forget what, what I was talking here, but that's without Devonta Smith in the lineup. And now you're going to have the offense probably pass even less. So Dallas Goddard is outside my top ten fantasy tight ends. I think the reason why they haven't traded Ertz is because his contract is like very hard to trade, and it yeah. seems like they really like Zach Ertz. I think that he's got a a pretty important role for this Eagles offense. We'll see. I mean. I would say, again, try to be an optimist here. Dallas Goddard had a great route, great separation against Devin Bush, who's a former first-round pick. Great ball from Jalen Hurts, continue to lead him. It's like he's not doing anything wrong when it comes to actually like getting action, but his tight end seven draft capital would indicate that he is the only tight end on the team, and he's not. He's clearly not right now. I know you and I have the likes of Robert Tunyon, Logan Thomas, Noah Fant, and Tyler Higby all over Dallas got it right now. The public just hasn't gotten there yet. So again, as we are suggesting, fade Goddard and take those other tight ends in that area of that draft. All right, go ahead. What top top, top five tight end doesn't play on more than half of their okay. first team snaps? I know. We, we've gotten there. We've gotten there. 
Um, Mike Kosicki played on five of 18 snaps with the first team offense through the first quarter. Somehow, Mike Kosicki was being drafted as tight end 11. Now it's dropped to tight end 13. Hayden, I've said this 101 times on this show that no player needed an ADP reset more than Mike Kosicki. I understand production-wise, he still had production in this first preseason action, but that he was a glorified slot wide receiver last year, and they spent the number six overall selection on a slot wide receiver. I think they're going to have to ask Mike Kosicki to play a different role, and they're probably not comfortable with him in that role in his contract year. This was without Hunter Long playing either, who was their third-round rookie, so it wasn't encouraging. I don't think that Mike Kosicki is going to play on an 11 personnel unless they're like really tra- trailing and they're like going complete spread offense. So I think Mike Kosicki is probably going to be a tight end too this year. He'll have some big plays like what we saw in the preseason game because he's just such a crazy athlete and he does have that slot role that we are shooting for. But if he's not going to block and he's not going to be an, a full-time player, it's hard for him to be a top 10 fantasy tight end. Yes. Adam Troutman ran a route on six of 13 Taysom Hill passing plays. We want that to be 13 of 13, don't we, Hayden? Yes, and he didn't even run a route every single time. It was a passing play. He he stayed in the block three different times, and that doesn't even include one of the routes that he was running. He actually stayed into chip block first and then ran to the flat. So this was not encouraging uh, usage for Adam Troutman. We'll see if it picks up, but it seems like they want to keep Troutman kind of in uh, to block a little bit more. We'll see if that things change when Jameis Winston, who's going to be playing a more traditional passing offense. Maybe this was just a product of, of Taysom Hill, but a name to watch. We are crushing the dreams of late round tight ends right now. Let's continue that with Anthony Ferkser as tight end 19, who did not play in 11 personnel, which means three wide receiver sets during preseason week one. Hayden Paul Kuharski uh, this summer indicated to all of us that Anthony Ferkser is not Johnny Smith, who was playing in these scenarios because he can't do the exact same things. In fact, Anthony Ferkser, if he was going to be on the field, would be in 12 personnel, what you're alluding to here, as basically a de facto slot wide receiver receiving tight end. So we don't know exactly what this new offense is going to look like, look like without Arthur Smith, but what we can kind of assume is that Anthony Ferkser is not going to be an every down player. Ferkser was 40th among tight ends in routes and 11 personnel last year. I'm not really expecting that to change too much, making the chance Anthony Ferkser being a tight end one is like really low. I tanked him in my rankings. He has a slot usage role that we're looking for, but he's only going to be in that role in negative game scripts. Who is your favorite late round tight end since we've just eliminated two? I mean, not really. We didn't really. And Adam Troutman and Anthony Ferkser. Um, we, I still think that one of those Patriots tight ends is going to hit at tight end 17 and tight end 20. And I'm actually leaning, I know you're leaning towards Hunter Henry. I'm leaning towards Johnny Smith. I would pick one of those two. I think my favorite best ball strategy is to double dip in the top 10 tight ends. I'm okay with going Hawkinson plus Higby, uh, Mark Andrews plus Logan Thomas. I would rather get two of those. Don't worry about these guys. I basically, I mean, we just basically canceled every single tight end two except for the Patriots guys on this list so I think you just got to pay up in best ball I think that in redraft just you have to target one of the top 10 guys 
We have completed our quarterback ranking show. Go back and watch that on YouTube. Our tight end ranking show with top 24 there. Go and watch that. Next week, it will be running backs and wide receivers after we get two weeks of preseason action. We have a couple more shows lined up here this week on Wednesday and Thursday as well. But you can possibly notice the boxes behind me. There is a reason for this, Hayden. There's a reason. All of you in the chat, the over 100 people right now watching, I need you to put out some train emojis in the chat because it is an end of an era moment here on all the podcasts that I've been doing for the last six years. It's time to move on from the train station. It's time to move on from Metro North. The train will no longer be making appearances here on the Underdog Football Show. Your boy is moving in with a roommate, potentially a significant other, to the big old Big Apple, if Brooklyn counts, and leaving these dusty old train tracks, these dusty old bricks behind me. It has been a pleasure. I hope all of you have enjoyed our third co-host, Metro North, thank you for your service. Hayden, any thoughts? This got me through college. It was the Roto World podcast and all of the trains. It kind of felt like a dad presence to me. The one thing that you mentioned, though, is we might get trains or uh, airplanes coming in to replace the trains. And I'm kind of excited about the airplanes next. Look, it's this has always been our out as a budget show is the trains passing back and forth. Maybe now I have morphed into some level of a professional, but Hayden, I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that I would probably suggest and assume that something will just replace it. As you're saying, there's going to be something there making noises, a dog behind me, a cat soon, my cat, your cat, the trains though. I appreciate all of your patience throughout the years, the post, by train bump has always been great as well. Thank you again, everyone. We'll always have the memories and we'll never forget them. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Truly appreciate you. Before you leave, do me a favor for the train, like and subscribe down below. We'll be back here later on this week. Check out our free draft guide down below. And as always, play some preseason pick them. So much fun to have some sweat there. For Hayden, I am Josh. Up the villa, everyone. Talk to you all soon. See ya.